One, two, you know what to do. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mike. Happy birthday to you. So welcome back. Kind of a corny intro there, but this is episode 37 of True North Talk. And we have a very special guest back on the podcast again. Uh, this episode, we'll be talking and asking a few questions to Mr. Mike Burtnett, Peter's father. Um, my, Mike was on the podcast, actually, the second official audio episode that we had. Um, so it's really cool to have him back. And obviously, you know, as time goes by, there's there's new things going on in life. So I guess to start us off, Mike, if you wouldn't mind updating the listeners on what you have going on and kind of how faith has been taken apart, you know, in your life. Absolutely. Well, Peter and Joe, first of all, thanks for the birthday wishes. I'm uh, getting to be an old man, but hey, the Lord still has stuff for me here. And and thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm actually serving uh, with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and I am a missions mobilizer, which means Mm -hmm. that I primarily go to Christian college campuses uh, throughout the eastern United States and I meet with students to inform, inspire, and also give them opportunities to be involved in Bible translation. I absolutely love it. I've been on several campuses already uh, this semester of the school year, and I have a few more visits coming up. And basically what I do is I have a table kind of maybe in the cafeteria or a common area of the, of the campus where students can meet with me and I talk with them and answer questions with them. I also love praying with students um, Mm. when I'm able to talk with them. And then I also have opportunities from time to time to speak briefly in classes uh, and share about the missions ministry of Wycliffe. Uh, Wycliffe is all about getting the Bible translated, as their name implies, into all the languages of the world. And uh, there are over a billion and a half people around the world today who don't have the whole Bible in their language. So how could they really be discipled? How can they really know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and know how to follow him, know how to obey him, know how to give glory to him if they don't have all of God's word in their own language? So that's what Wycliffe is all about. We work in partnership with the local church all around the world. And I absolutely Mm. love what I'm doing. Uh, For most of my life, I've worked with young people. So now I'm working with, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds primarily and meeting with them. And uh, so, yeah, for me, yeah. it required faith to, you know, to do that and, and to look for opportunities that God gives uh, and pray for the students who would come and, and speak with me. And so I absolutely love it. Yeah, that's great. And um, something I'm thinking about regarding what you're, you're sharing as far as what you do, uh, something that I've, I'm pretty passionate about, and that's like America's really abandonment of faith as, you know, something in the forefront of our culture, especially our Um, generation, Joe. Yeah. Especially younger people, college Mm -hmm. age people. And maybe, I mean, a question just for you, I feel like you'd have a unique perspective on this, but what is your overall, um, sentiment that you gather from being around college campuses? Are, are, are students generally perceptive? Do you get a lot of backlash? Uh, what's the overall kind of vibe on campuses? These sure. Days? Well, and again, I do uh, go to Christian campuses because well, okay. I'm a fisherman. I, you know, <laughs> we like to fish where where the fish are biting because obviously there's a, you know, a higher typically tends to be a higher percentage of students at Christian schools that might be interested in missions. Not that there aren't on on secular campuses by any means. I tend to be a pretty positive and optimistic person. Uh, certainly, I know there's a lot of godlessness and a lot of people kind of 
you know, writing their own rules, so to speak, of how they want to live life. But I think you've probably, you know, seen and heard on, on a bunch of college campuses here, uh, even in the last couple of months, worship services going on and on and on. And then not just that, not just kind of the emotional event of, of worshiping, which is beautiful and which is, you know, we'll be doing for eternity, but then going out and serving others. I was hearing stories recently uh, at Asbury University in Kentucky, which I'll be going there in uh, just about two, three weeks, uh, spend a couple days on campus there and how uh, students were helping people in their community, just, you know, looking for opportunities to serve. So I love to see that. I know the percentages are down as far as, you know, people say 18 to 25 or 30 uh, years of age that are, you know, biblical Christians, the percentages are down. But I also know that um, the more spiritual darkness that we see around us, the brighter those who want to live their lives for Jesus can shine. Hmm. And so, hmm. you know, in my experience going to these campuses, I've had just many conversations with young people, you know, just a, a couple of years younger than you two, that love Jesus and want to serve him and are very interested in the possibility of, you know, giving up maybe a lucrative career and becoming a faith missionary. And for your listeners who don't know what that is, you know, Wycliffe is very similar to, to most other mission organizations that if you join our organization, you don't get like a typical salary. Uh, you need to go out and raise financial and prayer support from individuals, from families, from churches. So you're really relying on the Lord. And, you know, so there are plenty of students on these campuses that I'm meeting with that maybe for some of them, this is a first time thought. But many of them are very open to that. And I would say that's a very serious step of discipleship. So I'm encouraged, e mm -hmm. even though maybe overall the numbers might be down compared to maybe previous generations. Those who are um, sh willing to stand up for the Lord are literally shining like stars in the universe, shining, mm -hmm. uh, as it says, I think, in Daniel 12, verse 3. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's something I – sorry, go ahead, Peter. Yeah, well, I had another question. If So if you just have maybe like a, a follow-up or something to add, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I think there's so much um, deception and there's just been a, a giant vacuum of of the Holy Spirit in our in our world, really, but especially with young people. If you look at our culture and, and our entertainment and music and just everything that's glorified with young people, it's very difficult for um, for young people to fully embrace, you know, God. And I, I think there is a giant vacuum and kind of to your point about, you know, when, when it's darker, the light shines brighter. Um, I definitely think that's true. And I've even had that experience myself when, when you witness to people nowadays, you know, if you have a basic understanding and just general knowledge of, for example, apologetics and answering the simple questions about God, people are very receptive to it. And it's just about taking that leap of faith. But that was my comment, Peter. I don't know if you want to uh, add to that, but that's, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, and it, it is, it's Daniel 12, 3, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Yeah, that's definitely, I can see where, where some of that encouragement comes from for, for my dad. And um, so, yeah, that's definitely a, a really good verse that I'm going to be adding to my repertoire of, of verses that I like to look back mm -hmm. upon. But, but the question that I had for you, dad, or, or Mike, I might call you the rest of this episode as long <laughs> as you're fine. here, but, um, is I can't send you to your room anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's a, that's a long trip back to my room <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Not just a walk, <laughs> unless I really want to walk for a long time. <laughs> but, but the question that I had is, 
I wouldn't say on the flip side, but kind of going off of the response that you had, how do you, and I know it's not just you, I know it's relying on the spirit, but how do you kind of stoke that fire of something that me and Joe have talked about, especially in recent episodes of that apathy mm-hmm. of Christians who are just going through the motions, especially I feel like college age students because their faith has been, and you can expand on this more if you want to, has been kind of their parents' faith their whole lives. Mm-hmm. And either they've turned away from it or they've uh-huh. just not been interested in it. So all of that being said, what would you say is your method or, you know, maybe other potential methods that are the best way to go about inspiring and stoking that fire? For sure. Well, that's a great question. Um, and I would say it may seem obvious, but start with prayer. Hmm. And I'll admit I haven't always been a person of great prayer but I know when I'm about to go on these campuses, I spend a good amount of time praying that God would lead me to have discussions with, with those who need to have those conversations. And, and again, sometimes I'm asking them, and for the most part, I'm talking about Wycliffe, talking about Bible translation, learning about their majors and such, but also, you know, asking how I could be praying for them. So, you know, to, to fully answer your question, it starts with prayer and it starts with asking you know, God, who do you want me to uh, have an influence in their lives today? Who do you, who, you know, how do you want to use me? Um, but again, with with the students that I'm meeting with, obviously, I've been a youth pastor, as you know, Peter and Joe, uh, in my past. So, uh, but in my current job, it's really, you know, sharing a little bit about the needs that are out there around the world, because I, I think for a lot of young people, They don't hear about the fact that a billion and a half people don't have the full Bible or that 130 million people don't have a single verse. And I remind them, these are people around the world made in God's image, just like you and me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. how come we have literally dozens of translations of the Bible and they don't have a single verse? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when I meet with young people who, again, you know, I can't force them to be a, a devoted believer, a devoted disciple. But for those who who love Jesus, that kind of stops them in their tracks for a minute. And then I also share that there are so many different types of jobs that could be done part of the Bible translation job. So it's really, for me, I'm informing them and saying, hey, did you realize there may very well be a place for you? And I always say, if God's calling you, because hmm. I tell them that, I, I well, I don't know if I always do, but I often do. I say, you know, I can't tell you, I can't guilt you to do this. You're, nobody else can, not even your pastor. God has to call you. Hmm. So I guess really just trusting for God to do his work, um, you know, and then going back to my days as a youth pastor, I always tried to show love to the students that God put in my path, even, you know, no matter what their background was, no matter what uh, they believed, I tried Mm. to show love to them while also very clearly and boldly sharing the truth of God's word with them. And, Mm. you know, I can't force them to believe that the Bible is God's word. I can't force anybody to that. But I can also show good reasons why it's very reasonable to believe that the Bible is God's word. And so those were some things, you know, spending time uh, giving opportunities for people to serve. I always found that to be powerful. Like when we would go to um, food pantries or different places like that. Yeah, Yeah, nursing homes, things like that. I know for a lot of the students that that I served as a youth pastor, they never had a chance to do that before. So it kind of opens their eyes to see, wow, maybe I could serve the Lord in that way. So giving people opportunities where maybe they never had them before. 
Yeah, I have a question for you. Maybe, you know, I don't know how you're going to respond, but I do want to ask it. Um, since you are going on Christian campuses, what do you experience students often that like that don't have faith? I, it might be hard or, or less common, but I'm curious if that ever happens. That's a great question. My contact with them is somewhat limited in my role. Um, And and so, of course, I don't know. I can't peer into a person's heart. But sometimes um, when I'm speaking in some classes, I can see that there are students who just aren't interested. And maybe they're just not interested in missions. Maybe I'm boring when I talk. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, there, there have been at least a couple classes where I've spoken and I've wondered how many of those students are truly Christians. But when I'm at my table, you know, again, outside the cafeteria or something like that, the students that I have a talk with, normally they have some kind of interest in at least, well, why are you here? And sometimes they will ask that. But a lot of times they'll come up and and at least have some familiarity with Wycliffe. So, yeah, I have seen some of that. uh, But again, I'm not getting in a deep discipleship role Mm -hmm. with the students on campuses. I'm sure it probably depends on the campus. And, you know, um, leaders are so important, too. Obviously, the most important influence is that student's parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and study after study has shown that to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, especially with dads, we'll just be honest with that. Um, the, if, if a father loves Jesus, there's a much higher chance of that young person, you know, growing up to love Jesus. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, that's just so, but also the leadership say on the campus, like the campus pastor, if that campus pastor has a heart for, you know, for the, you know, and hopefully he he or she would, but, Mm -hmm. you know, has a real heart for the Lord, has a heart for missions, for example, uh, that can help to set the tone during that student's, you know, four years or so on campus. Okay. So (laughs) building on that, I I have a, a somewhat serious question, but not really. And this is just more for fun. And then one final thing I kind of thought of, but first of all, Mike, would you be open to potentially making a deal about the Ohio state Michigan game in some sort of relation to your table? Cause I feel like a Michigan mug would look really nice on that table. on your campus. It might even bring in more students because of the beauty of the logo yeah. and just, you know, oh, the beauty of that university. I, don't know about I, that. I think I just got an upset stomach here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm able to make it to a campus up in Michigan, I'll think about it <laughs> yeah. right now. I don't have any scheduled on my it might work. It might work at Cedarville. It, they have the same colors. Yeah. yeah I'm going to Cedarville in South Ohio yeah. in a couple or you, you know, you could have a recording plan singing "Hail to yeah. the Victors, oh, no. Valiant Hail." No, no, no. <laughs> I will think about it for a half second. There, I just thought about it. <laughs> hey, at least you paid some thought to it. All right. I, I, I thought about it for a half second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, but in all seriousness, um, the final final thing I, I can think of, and I think relevant question for our listeners is. When you are speaking to young people, what is one way that you have noticed that, you know, speaks to them? Um, And maybe a separate question, and you can kind of pick which one you want to answer or which one sounds better to you. But also, uh, you know, something else I was thinking about is what are ways that young people can get involved and serve? Because I think serving is a great way to build a genuine relationship with God and and really feel that um, purpose to serve him. Absolutely. Well, the first question um, I think any people, anyone, no matter what age, but I think particularly young people can kind of sense when someone's just being phony, 
mm. or, or trying to sell them something mm. that would benefit them. But, you know, if, if, and again, most of my contact now is somewhat limited, you know, somewhat pretty much short term relationships. But even at that, you know, a- asking them good questions and actually listening. I think in our culture today, there's so much noise and so much everyone shouting their opinion on social media, etc. But actually listening and actually caring about the other person, even if you're only going to have a 10 minute conversation with them and you may never meet them again. You know, obviously you can only go to a certain level of, of getting to know them at that point. But, you know, even that fact of listening speaks volume in this world today where, you know, again, maybe many of the adults that they have interacted with are trying to basically sell them something. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a key. And then you you, you mentioned about serving. Um, boy, I mean, the first and foremost, if you know, for any of your listeners, if you're involved with a church, look for ways to serve. And that Peter and I were just talking about hmm. that the other day. Look to serve in your local church. Talk to your pastor. Talk to the church leadership. I can guarantee you, being a former senior pastor, I can guarantee hmm. you that if. If a, young, if a young person comes up and asks, how can I serve the church? First of all, the pastor might faint. You might have to pick, that might be your first act of service is yeah. picking up the pastor, taking and, him to the hospital a, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A cup of cold water, which is biblical. You know, giving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name is in the Gospels. Um, but, but seriously, first and foremost is look for opportunities to serve in your local church. If, if you're not part of a local church and you're listening to this podcast, you know, pray and look for an opportunity to get involved with a biblical church. You know, look, look, you can look up online, look up a church that is serious about the Bible and teaching the Bible. And I guarantee you, you will have opportunities to serve in that church um, in, in any different manner that, or I don't want to say any, but in many different manners. But, you know, there are also opportunities if you live close to a larger city you know, like a food pantry or a homeless ministry or, um, uh, you know, food packing opportunities. Again, a nursing home. Sometimes you can get in places like that. Uh, so think about some of the things that you like. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of times people think, oh, it's a drudgery to serve. Well, mm-hmm. may- maybe God. And sometimes we do have to be willing to serve in an area that's not our, you know, our favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes, you know, God wants us to serve in the areas that we're particularly designed to do. Mm-hmm. Like for me, my main spiritual gift is exhortation um, or encouraging people towards action, particularly godly action. So in my in my role right now, that's exactly what I'm doing. So anyone who's listening to, the, to this, you know, look for opportunities that kind of mesh with how God made you. And uh, mm-hmm. there's probably a reason why he made mm-hmm. you. So, yeah, pursue something. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, try something else. Mm-hmm. You know, try something yeah. else. Don't like, give up. Yeah. You'll probably find something and you're like, man, I, I wish I would have started this sooner. And not only that, I mean, not only for your spiritual health and getting involved in your church, which is absolutely critical. Um, I think by doing that, that's something that helped me identify my gifts mm-hmm. and, you know, really push me in a certain direction with my career as well. And to feel feel confident that I'm using the gifts God gave me to um, to forge my career. So I think for young people as well, I know that was a, a especially me in college. I don't know, Peter, maybe, you know, you had, you're on that journalism path pretty quickly, but I, I was, and, and I know it's common sentiment with college age students, but you know, the idea of trying to figure out what you really are, are put on this earth to do is, is a hard question. Mm-hmm. And I think serving in church can be a great way to do that because you find your gifts, you find what you enjoy doing. And, you know, like you were saying, it's, you don't want to 
you don't ideally you don't want to end up whether it's your profession and serving in your profession or even if you have a life life of of missions um either way you want to make sure that you're doing what you're you're cut out to do amen. so amen Good um, words could not agree more but peter do you have any other any other questions or any, any other thoughts for mr um, mike I don't think so. Honestly, like, like that, that serving thing was honestly something that we talked about already off the podcast a little bit. And, um, you know, I think what he said during that conversation is what he said now. And so I think it, it carries over. That might've been a question I would have asked now. Mm. Um, so I don't think I really have any other questions. Um, you know, I'm trying to obviously think of any that would be, that would be good for, for the audience as well. But I think we really covered a lot. I guess my thing that I always like to end, you know, interviews with is if there's any sort of closing comments do you want to add any final remarks this is you know the floor is yours to to add any final thoughts well actually really quickly right and you can maybe mike if you want to answer this question and go into that final thought or maybe maybe make it a part of it but i I just want to say for the record um peter and i on several occasions even on the podcast have been very vocal and recognizing the fact that uh we both had great fathers Mm -hmm. and yep Maybe something for you to, to pass on to our listeners as well, um, Mike, is what qualities and what strategies did you employ and use to make sure that your household was one that was set up to honor Christ first mm-hmm. and practically what that looks like? Because sure. I think a lot of young men are needing that nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that piece of advice or maybe some insight on that would help a lot of people yeah. with how they structure their lives and, and one day that, you know, their households and so critical to have that father figure in well, that position. Yeah. Really simply, you know, build it on the rock of God's word, build your life. And then, you know, your family's life on the rock of God's word, not on the shifting sand of the mm-hmm. wisdom of the world. And, you know, by no means did I do it perfectly. I made plenty of sins and mistakes, um, you know, raising Peter and, you know, his, his brother and his sister, uh, you know, Mrs. Burnett and I, Jenny and I, <laughs> Um, but you know, yeah, raising, raising your family on the rock of God's word. I know that might be simple, but, um, you know, first of all, knowing God's word, being a student of God's word, and then not being afraid, having, having the courage and the consistency of, you know, enforcing and living out, you know, this is, this is how we're going to live as a family Hmm. by God's word. And again, by no means that I do it perfectly. But um, now that I look back and, you know, Peter's 23, his brother and sister are now at least 20 years old. And, um, you know, we could say uh, the Apostle John wrote in his third epistle in third John verse four, that I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the truth. And uh, Mm. my wife and I are just so blessed and so grateful to see our children walking in the truth, like, like John, and he was talking about his spiritual children, of course, mm-hmm. he's talking, he's writing to a church there, but, um, a good know, parent will make their children, their spiritual children as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I think from an early age, we, we you know, we had this little yellow Bible and we'd pull mm-hmm. out the stories. The Lello Bible. And, yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we couldn't quite say our, our wise yeah. back then. It was the Lello Bible. Yeah. So we were, we, had, <laughs> we were praying together. You know, I, yeah. I remember when, when the kids were t- uh, early teenagers, I even put together Bible reading plans that mm. we had them read together and we talk about and stuff. We, I took the boys on uh, spiritual retreats several oh, years yeah. and, and Jenny took our daughter on a spiritual retreat. And hmm. So just um, kind of like what it says in Deuteronomy is you go through your life, you know, teach the wisdom of God's word 
uh, to your children. So write it on your so doorposts. Yeah, 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 exactly. Your yeah. doorposts. Yeah, yeah. On as your heart. Yeah, as you're going through life, you just look for opportunities. And when you mess up, those can oftentimes be the best teaching moments too. And trust me, as a parent, that's the hardest thing to do because then you're admitting, "Hey, I sinned. I I messed up here. Can you forgive me? I probably could have done that more as Peter and and his siblings were growing up." Mm. Um, but yeah, just again, going back to the root of it, build your foundation, build your life on the solid, solid rock of God's word. Mm. Yeah. Human, human wisdom might seem to be smarter and stuff, but in the end, there's always something that's that where it falls short and there may be some good truths to it. But, um, if it is, it probably has a biblical, biblical foundation in it. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, another thing is, you know, starting them off with that yellow Bible, it's, it was a great <laughs> color choice and just setting them up to, uh, uh, uh to admire. It wasn't made, Joe. It wasn't, it wasn't made. It was not, it was yellow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it, like I said, in all seriousness, it's so critical to have, uh, fathers that honor God in their household. I think, um, that's a lot of the crisis we see in our, in our world today is, yep. is the, the lack of you know, leaders in the household and, and God fearing men. Um, and you know, I think that what you shared there is valuable advice, building it on the, on the word of God. And, um, you know, we're always going to have areas where we think we can improve, but that's just the reality of being a human being. Mm -hmm. But, you know, from the outside looking in, even as Peter's friend, I am grateful for the emphasis that you placed in that household because it's rubbed off on our friendship Mm -hmm. and I see it in him. And again, just so glad and, and, um, grateful to have you on the show again. It's, it's always great to talk. And I think that you provided some very good wisdom and insight for our young listeners. Um, and want to encourage you and your, your faith and your pursuit of your faith to keep going forward. And I think it's admirable, um, what you're doing at this point in your life to honor God. So well, thank you. And I just want to encourage both of you too. It's really encouraging to me to, to hear your guys' podcast and to hear two young men who want to live for Jesus and want to point others to Jesus. Mm. Um, so, you know, thank you for your ministry, what both of you are doing. Keep keep up the good work. Yeah, we yep. appreciate it. And it's still early. And, you know, our intention yes, is to, to make this uh, something great to honor the Lord. So we, mm. we appreciate it. But Amen. Thank you for coming on again, Mike. We, we're very grateful. An OG yep. guest. The OG. Mikey All right. B. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. Have a, have a good rest of your podcast. Yeah, you as well. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So transitioning. Um, yeah, if, if you don't mind, I want to add something real quick yeah, also. Ahead. It's what, what, what he said earlier about it being simple coming from the Bible. That's definitely true. But I, I do think it also is... You know, there's so much richness in the Bible and there's so much to just go over and go through that there's, I mean, there's so many principles. Basically, I mean, if you take from the Bible how to be a parent, you're pretty much going to have the whole playbook. Yep. <clears throat> and I, I think really more than anything else, it is the choice um, and intentionality of making that at the center of your household. Mm-hmm. Um because it's so easy to let life get in the way, right? It's so easy to, we have so many concerns with work. I mean, some of the things we've said off the podcast and conversations we've had, it's, there's so many things that go on in our lives that require a lot of energy and attention and and spiritual focus. But, you know, inevitably we, we all need that foundation of, of God and God's word and especially the family. I mean, it's something that, 
you and I are probably going to be considering and um, in the near future, mm-hmm. Lord willing. Um, and a lot of our listeners today, I mean, I know we have some young men listening to the podcast that I personally know that desire families and um, it's going to be so critical for all of us to successfully and place successfully place that emphasis on God in our household. So I, I, I did think that I, that was a, a really good ending to that um, interview with your dad there and, and just 100%, you know, initially our plan was going to kind of be to talk about discipleship and going out. And I think in some ways we still are on that track, mm-hmm. but Peter, I'm curious in your perspective, cause your dad was talking about young people and especially on Christian campuses. It seems maybe the focus more is, you know, the, not necessarily that on those campuses that there are not enough Christians or believers, but more people that don't put that into action. So, um, what are some ways that maybe you felt have felt over the years growing up or even recently that, you know, ways you can put your faith into action. And it kind of aligns with our last episode about knowledge and wisdom and the difference, but what are ways that you can put it into action? Because I think that's what actually builds that, that faith and consistency. Yeah. Well, I also, I kind of had had a thought when you were kind of going over that as well. Sure. I think making disciples isn't so much about, I mean, obviously the first step is bring, helping to bring somebody to Christ. But really, I think disciples is what, what my dad is doing and what so many others obviously are doing. And, and even I would say what, what we're doing as well with this podcast and what I encourage everybody listening to, to do is, um, you know, making other believers stronger and kind of being able to work off of each other. And by doing that, you really become true disciples of Christ. You know, it's one thing to to put the title on yourself and be a Christian, but to actually go out there and live it out. And I think this segues perfectly into what your question was about how to live it out then, um, if, I, if I got the question correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so going out and doing that, I mean, I don't want to just steal from, from what my dad said, but I think it is genuinely caring about people and... You know, that's some, and somewhat a trait that you just kind of have to have, but it's definitely something that you can hone on just genuinely, like he said, listening in conversations. And I think that's also key too, because sometimes the best thing to do is to just ask somebody how they need help or what they need help with. If they're going mm-hmm. through a struggle, whether it's, you know, something physical, tangible that you can do, or if it's just praying for them and encouraging them, or just listening to them. Sometimes we don't really even need to take in action, aside, I don't want to call it an inaction, but that's basically the gist of it. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, just again, like, like my dad said, and you know, I a hundred percent agree with it is just listening and, and genuinely caring too, because it's one thing to listen and just like shut off everything. And then you don't have anything to respond with and you don't have any sort of encouragement to give or any real like meat to your response. Right. It's just thin, you know, there's right. no real depth to it. And I think, I think that is truly the best way because yeah. by doing that, then you'll know how you can help and minister to others. Well, I mean, you have to have a baseline <clears throat> level of trust and feeling like somebody really cares about you to even get through to somebody. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I cite a few books consistently on here, right. that, but they're just, really important books that I, I think a lot of people should read, but how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Mm. Uh, 
a book that teaches you a lot about the human race and communication and what works and what doesn't. There's a very good section in that book about basically how to change others' minds. And it says what you're saying, what you just said about listen until and until you can't listen anymore and hear them out and acknowledge what they're saying and, and, and be empathetic before even offering your, what you think. I mean, because I think where a lot of people go wrong with witnessing, um, and you can tell me if you agree or not, but is, you know, thinking, you know, the answer to their situation before they even tell you themselves and Mm -hmm. even interrupting them at times and saying, well, blah, 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 this or this or that. Um, if you listen to somebody and hear them fully out without like instantly offering advice or instantly offering a solution and just being with them and saying, you know, I, I totally get that. I understand that. Mm. Um, and I truly can see why you would see things that way before offering that truth bomb or, or that, you know, as, as, um, Hebrews four ten says, I believe, you know, that sword, the word is a, is a two-edged sword sharper yep. than any anything. Before pulling out that sword, I think, um, not to be graphic or to, to, with an analogy, but in order for that, the area for the sword to hit to be receptive, they have to, the person has to trust you and think that you care about them before you can even get through to them. So, yeah, like I completely agree. I don't know if, if you have anything to say about that, but it's so important when we're, telling others about Christ to be more listeners and empathetic mm-hmm. than talkers and, and preachers initially, especially. Yeah. I would say just one additional comment going off of what you said is I feel like people who go about it that way feel like they have the answers, not that the word of God has the answers mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. look at it from a selfish perspective of I'm going to win this person to Christ and they put Christ at the end of it and they start with I you know, I feel like that's a mindset that a lot of people have. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to win people to Christ. It's mm-hmm. not, it should be the opposite. You should be the last thing that you're thinking about. All you are, and I'm not minimizing who we are as people, but really we are a tool of God. Mm-hmm. You know, he works, we're his craftsmanship, first of all. We're, you know, clay in the potter's hand that he molds to to be a, a tool. I mean, like literally to use that analogy, it's, it's in scripture. It's straight from scripture, you know, mold me like, like, you know, I am, you know, the clay in the potter's hand. And so God molds us and that kind of goes into spiritual gifts. Then he molds us to be who we need to be, to be able to minister to other people. And it's not, again, it's not starting that statement with, I'm going to win others to Christ. It's Christ is going to use me to win others for his glory. I think that right. would be a great way to turn that turn that selfish phrase around. Yeah, and that's <clears throat> it's the having the attitude of submission to Christ instead mm-hmm. of feeling like you have over an overly, you know, high amount of control. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a good conclusion of that topic. But why don't we go ahead and get some scripture? Um, the ones you sent me over, I think of all of them that maybe would be the most relevant at this point would be Matthew. So if you don't pull up that Matthew 28 passage. Yeah. And honestly, um, do you want to read the whole just, thing or yeah, we can just start from verse one. So if you want to yeah. start from verse one, yeah. Cause this is a pretty cool, almost like it's like a celebratory almost, you know, it's like, it's a celebratory moment. Well, yeah. The first thing is very celebratory. 
So for background, for those who aren't familiar with the faith or maybe people who just need a little refresher, Jesus came to the world. He was born. A lot of people know the, Christ, the Christmas story. That's how he came into the earth, in, born in a manger The from the basically, you know, equal, I mean, not basically, from equal with God, the creator, and being basically the creator. Equal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> from being equal with God, the son of God, to being born in a manger. I mean, literally, you know, in a feeding trough for animals, you know, that is like, there's not really a lower place to be born than that. What do you think baby Jesus was thinking in that moment? I mean, I don't know. He was, he was fully God, but still he fully man. So do you think he even had thoughts at that young of an age? I mean, maybe he wants Baba. <laughs> <laughs> he wants Lilla Baba. <laughs> I don't, that, that sounds a little little sacrilegious to make Jesus sound like that, but it is all in, in fun. All so. jokes, clearly. Exactly, yeah. All jokes. It, no is, it is funny, though, of course. But We can um, at least picture, look, okay, Jesus aside, we can at least picture baby Peter saying, I want to hear your Bible. <laughs> when did you hear your Bible? Uh, yes. I, I, I do think, and may, maybe I did say that, too. I think it was more my sister that said that, but I don't want to throw her under uh, the bus Okay, either. yeah, Peter's trying to deflect now. He's yeah, like, mm, I, might I actually be a have better bit. grammar. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm sure I messed up some some plenty of words as well, but well, I mean, was it Lolo Bible or Lelo? Lelo. Lelo. Yeah. Lelo. <laughs> but but okay, anyways, back to the back, back to, to the Bible. Back to the real to the Bible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jesus Jesus was born from from the highest possible position to to the lowest, and yet he lived a perfect life here. He was compassionate to others, but he was also firm and strong when he needed to be. When he flipped the tables at the temple, for example, um, he, again, lived a perfect life. He ministered. He taught of of who God is and how to live your life for God and how to live your life as what would eventually be phrased as a Christian, which originally, I'm, you might know this, Joe, maybe you don't, but uh, Christian, I think, was originally a, more of a derogatory term. It basically meant little Christ. And yeah. so it's, it's, yeah, okay. So it is, it's kind of ironic that it's a phrase that, and of course there are plenty of people nowadays that still see that with, you know, disdain, but it's kind of funny how a derogatory term developed into something that we embrace with pride, you know? Mm. I just mm-hmm. think that's kind of cool and just shows the kind of a journey from the ashes, if you want to call it that. Right. But, and even better redemption than that was when Jesus died after Jesus died a horrible death on on a Roman cross if you know if you're a student of history maybe you're not a you know a bible you know you're not a believer you're not a bible scholar or something like that you you might know how just gruesome and horrible and demeaning crucifixion was and then Jesus was was dead and buried for 3 days during that time it's it's more of an interpretation thing if you've watched passion of the christ but experienced total separation well anyway when he was on the cross really actually was was when he experienced it i think not not after he died um mm-hmm. but total total separation from god again like i said earlier after being totally unified with god the father he was then ripped away and so he, he's dead and buried so in in this moment before we're about to read and if you're familiar with the easter story spoiler alert this is a, a little encouraging a little bit more of an encouraging ending um but in this moment, before this picks picks up, imagine how those original disciples would be feeling. Mm. 
just that absolute despair and this sense of our Messiah is dead. He's gone. He's not going to save us from the Romans. He's not even going to save us from our sins. He's, there's no hope. No hope is left. I want, I want to, I want to let that sit for a second. Think about that. There was a lot of confusion even with Jesus about his, um, lordship. Some Mm -hmm. people misconstrued what he was here to do. I think that was intentional though. Right. For whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a good amount of people that they thought he was going to free, you know, free the Jews or, or, you know, in certain various ways from a government perspective. Um, but that's just simply not what happened. And like you're saying, even though that was a misconception, I'm sure that even played into like the feeling after he was dead. It was like, Mm -hmm. well, he's not even going to free us from the Romans. So what's, what was the point? And we see, we've spoken in the past and you'll read, if you read the gospels, you'll see how the disciples did not fully like comprehend Mm -hmm. what had actually taken place with Jesus's life and sacrifice until well after the event. Well, and even after this Um, happens, what we're about to read, some of them were still unsure. And obviously we know if doubting Thomas is the most infamous one, but even some of the other ones were kind of questioning like, what does this mean or whatever? So, yeah. Right. But yeah, I want to just, again, kind of emphasize picture being in this moment, picture being one of those disciples and that absolute, you know, your hope for, for a free and healthy future is gone. Mm-hmm. All hope is lost. But after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Real quick on that, Mary Magdalene is an incredible story about going from a sinner deep in the darkest sin and being um, oppressed by, by literal demons to being redeemed. Mm. That's an incredible story. I'm not sure exactly what the biblical reference is, but the chosen... Um, TV show does a really good job in the very first episode, actually, of, of taking a look at this story. Obviously, it's inter- interpretation. I know we always like to go with the scripture. I'm sure you could find the story of Mary Magdalene uh, earlier in this book of Matthew. I'm not, again, I'm not exactly sure where. But so Mary Magdalene and the other Mary go to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, interesting mix of emotions there, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them, greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Hmm. Yeah, I think the combination of afraid and joy is simply... Imagine if you encounter an angel yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the angel's not just speaking to you. He's speaking to you about the, the son of God. The one I mean, who you thought was dead. Wow. And is risen. Just wow. That's all I'm going to say. Exactly. And, and I, I can understand those emotions. It's, it's just, yeah, I can understand it's why. A, those it's an interesting mix because typically exactly. you don't see that. But exactly. In the story, it does make sense. For sure. 
and then I'll go ahead and grab uh, 16 through 20. Perfect. And we're kind of skipping over the guards report of basically you know, they just tried to cover it up that he had yeah. risen early, early, early example of people trying to hide Christianity under a, like a lamp lampshade, but that lampshade is not dark enough to hide the light. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Amen. So pick it up in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Wow. This is very comforting there, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a perfect <clears throat> mix of like a, a cry and a call for action and also being like, I'm always going to be alongside you when yeah. you go on this task. Like, yeah. there's no better encouragement than what's right here. Um, no. Yeah. And the power in verse 18, all, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Yep. Full confidence. And, you know, there's no more need to have an intercessor. You know, Jesus is our intercessor with God and he is God. And um, it's also interesting. I, I had a conversation today at work where somebody was questioning whether the Trinity is a is a belief that is a Christian belief because apparently some Christians don't believe in the Trinity, but that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't even make sense to me because right here, um, baptizing them in the name of the father and son and Holy spirit. Yep. Right there. Um, word for word, very simply put. And I don't know. People have a hard time understanding the Trinity. I never found it that difficult to like, I understand that the concept may be a little bit confusing at first, but the, I'm in the same boat. I've always kind of found it a little bit more, I don't know, understandable or just graspable, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's three persons, one being. Yeah. It's it's almost like three asp- <clears throat> three different aspects of the same being of God. And mm. even the, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus, people think they get tripped up on that word son. Mm. Like he's lesser or something. Yeah. Well, or because second. we think in human terms, like, right we have an off offspring. It's not God's offspring. Um, it's more of a spiritual representation of a son hmm. and, and what a perfect father son relationship looks like. Yeah. And I think there's, there's even a lot of, well, there's, there's an incredible tie, um, to the story of Isaac, right? Where, hmm. yep. um, God commanded, you Abraham. know, Abraham or, to sacrifice yeah, yeah. Isaac and Abraham was obedient hmm. um, and praised God that God relented and, and gave Isaac grace and let him go. But it's just even maybe like a little bit heartbreaking to think about this because it's like the same thing, but God had permitted Jesus to go through that pain and sacrifice. Hmm. Um, it's just incredible, you know. That, that's, the, a, that's a really, really good point. I'm really glad that you made that because... Yeah, I, honestly, I was kind of surprised too. I didn't even know where that, that kind of just came out of the blue. I was like, mm, no, that's I mean, an that interesting was inspired parallel. by one of the Trinity, the Holy spirit. Yeah, um, I think so. Because like earlier I talked about how Jesus experienced that separation from God, the father, but on the same other side of the coin, God, the father experienced that separation from your son. Obviously mm. we can't really imagine what that's like yet as, because we're not fathers yet. Um, but I'm sure if I asked, if I asked my dad about that, like, you know, losing, losing me or my brother, 
Same thing if, you know, you ask your dad that question, that's something they couldn't fathom. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, we couldn't fathom losing our father. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like, like I, like I, I, like I said, it's the perfect relationship between father and son. And like you really, really well eloquently said that separation too, when, cause, cause the other thing too, when Jesus was on that cross, he, he held the sin of the world. Mm. God, the father, you know, it's, it's in a song, you know, the father turned his face away. That wasn't something that was easy to do, you know? Mm. But, you know, he, he knew, Jesus knew, that he would have to be the sacrificial lamb. That's why Jesus, er, earlier in, in Matthew 27, just a few verses earlier, um, or may, maybe it's in 20, 26, yeah, actually 26, Jesus literally sweated blood, like, like yeah, sweated blood. Mm-hmm. That's how just heart-wrenching and painful and... I mean, we, we dread tiny things, you know, little inconveniences that might, or challenges that might come up in life. Try to picture this, you know, that mm. you're, well, imagine yeah. you're, you're crucified right? and your own father turns his, turns away from you. And, and that's just, what, and you know, that's what's happening when you're in the garden of Gethsemane and you're sweating that blood. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when and you, you know, that's, that's, it. that's your purpose. That's been his purpose. He knew that that was his purpose from when he was, you know, a child. Imagine yeah. having to live approximately 30 years of your life knowing I would cry. that. I would have a breakdown. I would just, that would be so sad. Yeah, I mean, and that's, <laughs> he, that's why he's God and we're not. But yeah, of course. I mean, you have to endure all that pain and suffering and your own father has to mm-hmm. turn away from you in shame. Not necessarily shame, but just the the gravity of the sin you know because well, god cannot look turn he cannot face sin you mm-hmm. know face on so yeah. and it's so symbolic i mean there's so many mm-hmm. symbols and metaphors and you know just um images in the story of jesus and another one that's you know that speaks to me and is very visceral is the idea that when Jesus's flesh died, that sin died with him, you know, all the sin of the world was put to literal death with his flesh. And it reminds me of when he says to put our flesh to death, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we do, we have to, um, not live in our flesh, which is exactly what Jesus did when he, when he died and, and rose again is that his literal flesh was put to literal death with the entire sin of the world and, and all of, all the world's history on him and, and future from that yeah. point on. Yeah. I mean the true gravity of that moment, that story is just so powerful. I mean, it's um, everything and more, and it's just hard to believe that we're living in a world where this actually <laughs> happened. Yeah. Um, that's why so and, many people don't is because they get caught up on that of it being hard to believe, but that's what faith is. Yeah. I don't mean for myself, literally hard to believe, but okay, I mean, yeah, just, yeah amazing that right. we're in a world and we're in a universe where we have a God that loves us and that he sent his mm-hmm. son and that that moment happened. And I mean, it's just incredible. I'm just so grateful. Um, it's beyond words for me. It really is. And we, you know, it actually reminds me of Jordan Peterson as a man. I think he has come around to faith, but he didn't used to be a man of faith, but he would cite the Bible and its stories and the power of them as far as, 
teaching moments and, you know, mm-hmm. parables to learn from, but even he would get caught up before he was saved on this, the, the graphic and visceral feeling that this story invokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not by mistake that God wrote this story the way he did. I mean, it really pierces the soul to consider the gravity of the circumstance of your son, you know, blamelessly taking on that pain and punishment. Um, it's just incredible. So praise God that we have that sacrifice and praise, praise him. That I mean, that's, that's what makes you want to praise God and, and worship mm-hmm. him. Um, all the time is that he was willing to do such a thing for us. We don't even deserve it. Definitely. Well, I think, I think that might be a phenomenal way to close here. Yeah. Here's what I'm thinking, Joe, that we had a couple other verses. I'm going to go through and read those. And then whether you or I want to close, but I want to close again with 18 through 19 as the, the final closing. And, and if we want to add a prayer after that. So, okay. um, if you may, maybe I could look at both of the Psalms if you want me to, and if you want to take math or Revelation seven nine, does that sound sound good to you? Yeah, perfect. <clears throat> so I will. Psalms first. Yeah, I can read both of those, or maybe uh, uh, while I find the other one, I'm going to start with one forty five, four, um, and a couple of maybe verses after that. Um, okay. but it's, it'll just be a couple more. Starting in verse 3, actually. Great is the Lord. This is Psalms 145, verse 3 through 7. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your good deeds, your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And that chapter continues, but I think I'll, I'll pause there for, for now. Mm. Yeah, and um, I'm actually just going to read here Revelation. Um, I think it all kind of ties together. Mm-hmm. But you had Revelation 7, 9, right? I believe so. Is it? Okay. Um, yeah, this is in the context of the great tribulation and the image of people who came through that. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go in verse 11 and kind of go through just really the end of the passage because it's just, yeah, this verse nine fits more into what a theme that we were, that we kind of did get into about missions and just kind of the encouraging picture of what this will all end up with. Um, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. Mm. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. So, and they cried out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So I think that's kind of an encouragement when maybe we're a little bit like, you know, God, you're not, you're not really, you know, I'm not seeing the the work that I'm, that I'm putting in to, to glorify you and to bring others to you. This is a picture that we can look forward to with awe and excitement and anticipation. Most definitely. And I'm, I'm still going to read 11 through 17 just because I think it's a powerful image for all of us and encouragement um, of God's glory. 
So picking up at 11, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praising glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation for they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb, Jesus. Mm. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them into springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Mm, beautiful. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a beautiful picture of uh, God's glory and, again, his graciousness to send his son to die for us. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I love the it, – it's it's poetic, but it's – I mean, it's also, like you said, it's literal. Um, they, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. I'm no, I'm no scientist, Joe, no, no expert on colors or anything, but I don't think red normally makes things white. Mm-mm. No. No. Purity. Purity yeah, of Christ. Exactly. And that's the only thing that can do that. Yeah. Did you want to read that other psalm and finish up or Definitely, just go yeah. from here? And then do you, do you want to close out in Matthew 28, 18 to 19, yep. 220? Perfect. Yep. So this is Psalms 67 verses three through five. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Mm. And I think it's important before we close out here and pray after these verses to um, really grasp, you know, to, to not run away from this story and this imagery and really hold it and and maybe ponder just the the you know gravity of this sacrifice and what Jesus really did for you and all of us um i think we we brush over that a lot and forget about it and take it for um, granted we take it for granted and i just think we need to wrestle with these things and ponder them because if we do it will just give us a spirit of gratefulness toward mm. toward god and and everything and praise him yeah so Again, here to close us out, we're going to go with verse uh, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's with us always. Uh, He has all authority. So just, um, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and pray. Unless you have anything else you want to say. I just think if you're looking for how to live out that that mindset of missions and how to make disciples, um, especially the beginning of verse 20 is is what what it's really all about, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then verse the second half of 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is kind of that that second step once they do come to Christ and just declaring that to to the rest of the world. Hmm. Amen. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and pray and take us out of here and feel free to add to the prayer if you want to. If not, uh, completely fine. Just mm-hmm. kind of how you, uh, how the Spirit's leading you. But Lord, I just want to thank you for another episode of True North Talk. It's truly a blessing to dive into your word and, and share it with others, um, you know, through the technology we have and 
also was great talking with Mike again. Pray you bless his journey with um, his faith and his missions. Give him the strength and uh, boldness he needs to share that and the words he needs to eloquently share the gospel with others. Um, pray for Peter and I and also for all our listeners, all the young people out there, that we would take up our cross and not be shy and um, really wrestle with some of these things and, and truly appreciate their sacrifice of Jesus um, and the glory of, of God and glory of you and um, maybe really meditate on that. And I pray that that would uh, encourage all of us to be more in a, in a spirit of praise and gratuity um, toward you. And uh, just pray that you really speak to everybody listening to this to ask themselves, are you living your life for the Lord? You know, I think something that I've, when I was younger, I, I wrestled with and prompted me to action. And I think Peter can say the same. And, um, you know, our lives truly need to be structured around you. And I pray that for anybody who that's not the case for them, you know, that they might be listening to this, that this is the final thing they need to hear to nudge them to, to take action. And as Mike was saying, to join a church, to get involved in their church, um, to serve God, because ultimately it's not about what your church can give you. It's about what you can give your church. Um, and, what you can give to the kingdom of God. And we all need to have that spirit of service, mm. but I pray you just encourage us this evening. Anybody listening to this, pray you'd bless them and pray that, uh, continually and increasingly that true North would reach, uh, people that need to hear the truth and, uh, pray all these things in Jesus name. Amen. And Lord, I just want to add, um, I know, I know Joe felt it. I know I felt it. I felt the, the spirit at work throughout this entire podcast. Lord, I pray that, even just one person, because Lord, we know how much one person is is a value to you and to, to the, all the angels in heaven. If there's one per, one thing that one person takes away from this, Lord, I pray that 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 would just that that would happen and that 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 would be the case. And Lord, um, on a point that that Joe made as well earlier about just being grateful for your sacrifice, Lord, I pray that again that we would all myself and Joe and everybody listening really think about that sacrifice like Joe talked about Lord and really understand just how much that means it it might be beyond our own human comprehension Lord but I pray that we would rest in that and consider that Mm -hmm. and I Lord I really truly do believe by doing that we'll understand even though we might not be able to quantify it just how much how valuable that sacrifice is and I believe, Lord, that will inspire us. I feel like that's, Lord, another way to inspire us to to make changes for you, to to bring others to you, to to glorify your name. Most importantly, not you know me or I at the front of that, but Christ mm-hmm. and God at the front of that. And so I just pray that we would live by that, and that we would always remember and never take it for granted. The just unbelievable sacrifice that both Jesus made and God the Father and and the Holy Spirit as well being part of one trinity God and I I thank you beyond words that I can put together as a simple human being I thank you so much for for that sacrifice and Lord I thank you for this continued opportunity to honor you with this podcast and not to build build anything for for me or Joe Lord but for 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 thy will be done Mm-hmm. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, incredible stuff there. Hope you guys felt the spirit. I mean, we definitely did. So 
hope this got through to you, uh, to somebody listening and I'm pretty confident it will, but if you made this far in the episode, thank you for tuning in to episode 37 of true North talk. This is Joseph state and signing out with Peter Burtonette. Uh, like, and rate the podcast, Apple, Spotify, and we will see everybody next episode. Peace out. God bless.